I just began a new series recently, and that series is entitled Purposes, Plans, Problems, and the Pursuit, meaning the pursuit of God. And if you've got a purpose on your life, and every one of us do, because God doesn't create people and leave them without a purpose. He had one for them when they came into the world. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. That if you have a purpose for your life, I can promise you God has a plan to put that purpose into, into existence. But I can also tell you, you're going to face some opposition of the enemy getting there. And what fasting and prayer will do is they will help you get through that. As we pursue God together, and we started this fast, as I said, asking one thing, God, let us know you more. And I'm going to speak this morning from this subject, because you might even wonder about the connection, especially when you see the text that I'm going to read. But I want to talk to you about how fasting turns physical hunger into spiritual hunger. You say, there's no connection between those two. Well, let's just see. In Luke 15, I told you you're going to question the text. Luke 15, verse 11. I'll give you a moment to find it on your devices. They're going to put it up on the screen. And, and greetings to all those who might be watching at home or, or on media. Love you so much. I'm, I, I want to, while you find it, I want to say I thank God for this church. I love you so much. Thank you for letting me serve you as your pastor. Amen. Amen. I wouldn't trade places with anybody. And I say that all the time because I love what I do. But I read in verse number 11. Then he, that's Jesus, said a certain man had two sons. That seems to be a real story. We always tell it as a parable. But he said a certain man. And the younger of them said to his, fa his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, everything was gone. There arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Then he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the, the swine ate, the slop they ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many... Of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare. And I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father. And I will say to him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Lord, 
As we always do when we come to this part of the service, we humbly entreat and plead with you to cause your word to impact our hearts and lives in a way that is meaningful, impactful, because your word spoke worlds into existence. And sometimes we need our worlds to be changed. We need things to come that are not there and things to leave that are. And your word gives us insight into how to achieve all of that. So your word is already anointed, but I ask that you would anoint me as I speak and you get glory and honor from what is done. And we ask it in the name of Jesus for your glory. Amen. And everybody shouted and said, amen. Amen. Excuse me just a minute. Would one of our ushers please help with this situation? Sorry. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Amen. And I I know it's important that he find her. So, yeah, thank you. Okay. The story of the prodigal son is something that's familiar, I believe, probably to every person in this building. Jesus... Jesus Jesus told how the son disrespected his father by going to him and demanding that he be given the portion of his inheritance while his father was still alive. Now, most people, they can't even think like that, much less come to a place where they would literally do something that callous and disrespectful. This pretty much shows you the spiritual condition of the young man and just how obviously self-centered he was. He was clearly very ungrateful for everything his dad had done for him. And it was also clear that he felt very entitled. There are few things that you could say to your father that would dishonor him as much as, oh man, I want my share of the inheritance right now. Well, you're going to get it when I die. No, I'm not willing to wait till then. For as I'm concerned, you're dead to me already. Give me what I want. Every promotion you will ever receive in life comes about as a result of honor. Every one of them, whether you have ever understood that or not, What the young man was asking for was not just money. In reality, it was the monetary value of the years that his father had worked, endured hardship, suffered, scrimped, and slaved on his job, whatever that job might have been. His son was saying, I don't really care how hard you worked for me. Doesn't matter. I want the money right now. He wanted the value of the years, but without the investment of the time. You need to hear what I'm saying. It took time for that man to build up an estate. And this boy said, I want that right now. I want the investment of the years you have labored and sweated for this family. But I don't want to put in the years, the time that you have invested in the process. And the father did something that I marvel at and that he actually 
agreed to let the boy take his portion of the inheritance and go his way. And if it had been mean, I don't know about you, but I think I would have probably handled that a little bit differently, which just shows I'm not God because the father in this story is God. I think I would have said, I got an attorney's number on my file and I'm going to call him and I'm going to have my wheel changed and guess who is getting left out of it? Amen. You can go get your own job. I marvel that the father was this magnanimous and so good. He could have said, but the, the boy messed up and came back. See, I told you, I knew that was going to happen. But you see, this is one of the dilemmas that we face when we are in this parenting game and this struggle to raise children. The father knew the boy was going to mess up. That was pretty obvious. His attitude had positioned him in such a way that there was, there was, there was no possibility of him succeeding with that kind of heart. But he let him go ahead and make the mistake anyway. And there's a reason for that because one of the hardest parts in being a parent is not welcoming a child back. That's easy. When the father welcomed the, the prodigal back home, any parent in this building knows that's not the challenge. The challenge is when they insist on doing the wrong thing to say, okay, there you go. And I'm going to let you make that mistake. And I'm going to let you learn the hard way. Because as parents, we've spent our whole lives trying to protect kids from the consequences of bad choices. But they will never learn to make good decisions if they don't feel the sting of some of the choices they made that are improper. Amen. And this young man went, spent everything that he had, and before it was all over with... His friends had bailed on him, his fair, fair weather friends. Every once in a while I hear a song if I'm in a restaurant or, or a business place. And it's by a guy named Trace Adkins. Y'all, y'all may know the name. And the song is entitled, You Find Out Who Your Friends Are. Boy, life can teach you some things about people you thought were friends. And this young man found out a lesson that those friends weren't. And when he needed help, see you, wouldn't want to be you, and they went on down the road. And this points out a couple of things that I need to say about life in this broken world before I get to my subject. First, have you noticed that problems seldom seem to come along? Has anybody lived long enough in this broken world that you've seen that when problems come, they always come carrying company with them? Never one person in the car, it's always a car loaded. If the roof leaks, how many of you notice? That's just about the time the washing machine's gonna go out. In this broken world, we deal with stuff. But the second point is related to that, and that is this, this young man, and we need to be careful to teach our kids, was spending more than he had coming in. He took this large estate settlement, and went out and began to spend it. And you can't live life spending more than you're bringing in. I don't care who sent you an approved credit card application in the mail. You will get upside down in life before you know it. And part of that problem is we got all these folk out there that are being paid to manipulate us and tell us how we're supposed to spend the money we earned. Oh, I wish I could get an amen. 
Madison Avenue doesn't get billions and billions of dollars for advertising that doesn't work. They know their game. They're on top of it. They know how to hook you. They will come out with something and you'll begin to say, I can't live without that. My life isn't doing so good because I don't have that. I was doing fine until I learned about it yesterday. But now all of a sudden I can't manage. I don't have that thing in my life and and I got to go get one and what you end up doing is you spend money you don't have on things you don't need to please people you don't like and who don't like you and won't after you buy can I really preach the way that I feel like preaching and I know it's hard to teach our children to be financially responsible to have fiscal concerns And look at them correctly. I'll give you an example. They just came out with a new iPhone. I understand. Amen. And there's some of us, we can't wait to get enough money to go get a new one because they just came out with a new iPhone. Amen. I carried a seven until it stopped working. They got all the money out of me they need. Amen. And bad decisions caused the prodigal son to graduate right to the pig pen. He ended up in desperate need. And this is what I want you to see. He became so hungry that he literally began to eat the slop they fed the pigs with. That's terrible. But there's some good news in this story. And are you ready for this? Because there is good news. And the good news is this. He did get hungry. Most of us don't look at hunger the way we ought to. Most of us don't ever get very hungry. Not in this world. There's always something, a Wendy's, a McDonald's, a, uh, there's a Chick-fil-A. There, you know what I'm talking about. A Taco Bell. I mean, my goodness. When most of us never really get hungry. And I want you to understand this. If you think hunger is not a good thing, there are some positive things that happen in your life when you get hungry. There are. And one of the things that is good about hunger is when hunger is the result of fasting, it makes you hungry for God. Amen. There is a connection between physical hunger and spiritual hunger. There really is. And what impacts me about this story and the reason that I'm talking about the prodigal son here today in a sermon on prayer and fasting, you say he didn't fast voluntarily. Doesn't matter. What I want you to see is this. The one who was telling the story is Jesus. And he said, the story is telling is about how to get back to the father's house. And he said, when that boy got hungry enough physically, it made him want to go back to the father's house. And the father in this story is none other than the heavenly father. And the the house that he's talking about is the house of God. And you can get hungry physically and it can make you want to get back in relationship with God. Fasting is when we lay things aside voluntarily. And when we do that, it has an effect upon us spiritually. You see, hunger will make you do something. It will make you act. It moves us out of our complacency and the rut we're in. And sometimes it is the only thing that will get us out of the rut. 
What I want you to see is that it wasn't the pig pen. It wasn't the slop. It wasn't the smell. It wasn't the pigs. It wasn't the embarrassment. It wasn't the shame. That's not what got that young man out of that pig pen in that situation. It's when he got hungry. That's when something started changing on the inside. And and when you lay things aside and begin to seek God because you're fasting and praying, that miracle that you have not been able to get a hold of, that miracle you want God to do in your family. Am I talking to somebody in this house right now? What you've been seeking God for. Do you know what happens? God will show up and do something in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes we're so comfortable we don't know what hunger is anymore. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 15 said, Jeshurun, another name for Israel, grew fat and kicked, filled with food. I'm reading that. And they became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock, their savior. Israel hungered for God when they didn't have anything to eat. But then when things got going good, they got desperate again. They got hungry for the Lord. Israel stopped being hungry. And we can't allow ourselves to stop being hungry. And fasting gives us a way That we can utilize what works for our spiritual advantage and use this for our good. You see, it's a good thing when you get hungry and it makes you work harder. And it's a good thing if it makes you study more. And it's a good thing when hunger causes you to become successful instead of content with mediocrity and being average. Because so many people are, are comfortable and they're content to stay right there. Their address is P.O. Box 1 Mediocrity. They don't move. Their marriage is stuck at the same place. I'm preaching to somebody. I'm pouring my heart out right now. If God will give me grace, I want to reach out there and get a hold of your heart. You don't grow spiritually. You don't grow in your ministry. You don't grow in your leadership ability. You don't grow in terms of of being a better mom or dad. And that's not an accusation, but when you're complacent. Nobody grows. Nobody wants to. And on the other hand, when you get hungry, it causes you to dig in. And you begin to pull together things that you didn't even know were out there. Things inside of you that you didn't even know existed. And the next thing you know, you start getting at the top of your game. You begin to improve your skill. You become a better mom, a better dad. You have a stronger marriage. And the inevitable result of that is one word, influence. And one reason that some people are so influential is because they've mastered their craft to the place That people look at them and say, man, that guy's successful. I need to hear what he has to say. It doesn't matter if it's, if his success is like LeBron James when basketball, all of a sudden now you want to know what his opinion is on other things. And the kingdom of God suffers because some of us become complacent and we lose the voice of influence 
When somebody ought to look at us and say, I want my marriage to be like that marriage. I want, I want my finances to be blessed like that. I want my children to love God that way. Hunger won't let you live with indifference. It's fasting has a direct correlation when you make yourself hungry physically with spiritual hunger. Fasting awakens in us a deep spiritual appetite that calls us to want more of God. Look at Daniel. When we fast and pray, we begin to hear God's voice. Daniel fasted, set his face to fast 21 days. And on the 20th day, Gabriel showed up and said, Daniel, you are greatly beloved of God. It might not happen the first day you pray and fast. It might not happen for a number of days. But I'll tell you what fasting will do. Fasting will make you hear how God feels towards you. And you can go to all the therapy and I'm not knocking that. You can go to all the classes, read all the books on psychology. You can have people talk to you about self-esteem. But if you want to know how to accept yourself, get alone with God and find out he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, including you, if you believe in him, you'll have everlasting life. That's how much God loves you. Well, I think we ought to take a praise break right now. Somebody ought to give God some praise. Oh, come on. Somebody give God some high praise. And in that same prayer meeting, God gave Daniel a download of revelation that people still marvel about to this day. You want to understand the word of God? You want to hear from God? You want to receive revelatory insight from God's word? Do what Daniel did. Get hungry physically because it will make you hungry spiritually. Amen. They impact the one. We always talk about, about prayer and fasting impact heaven. And they do. And we talk about prayer and fasting weaken the systems and, and kingdom of darkness. And, and they do. And prayer and fasting is a frontal assault against the devil. And it is. But I want to tell you what else prayer and fasting is. Prayer and fasting impacts us. It's a way to open our hearts up for God and develop the hunger that we have been letting go because we got busy and we got wrapped up in life and we became complacent with the last load of blessings that he gave us. Amen. Prayer and fasting do diminish the hold this world has on us. I just want to say this because I feel like I need to. When you get hungry enough, you can't sit in that pig pen anymore. I see a few of you agree with that. All three of you, thank you. God bless you. I appreciate the, your support in this message. Amen. So I'll say it again for the rest of you that had your attention turned somewhere else. When you get hungry enough, you can't sit in the pig pen anymore. You get tired of the slop that the devil keeps p putting on your plate. 
You say there's something better than drugs. There's something better than alcohol. There's something better. Money won't satisfy me. Pleasure and affairs not what I'm looking for. I've got a God hunger on the inside of my heart. That's what's compelling me. And I'm, I'm done. Hunger will make you begin to see life differently. It sure will. It will make you leave things that are separating you and God. It will make you chase after God. This is the one thing Jesus said it. You drink from this, you never thirst again. But let me tell you that it makes you thirsty for the rest of your life. No other whale will ever satisfy it fills you up like nothing else, but then you're going to go back and, and, and because it becomes in you a well of, of water springing up into everlasting life. You can't live without it. And I, I, my experience, is there anybody else who has lived to find this out? That the more I get of God, the more I want of God. The more I experience him, the more I need to experience him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every once in a while, somebody will even, I hear a remark. I'll hear people say things during these 30 days of prayer and fasting. Like, I don't see why all that's necessary. I don't think we ought to have to do that. Well, don't. Nobody got a gun and put it up against your back and said, you got to miss a meal. You, well, I wasn't following you. That wasn't my car when you p- drove into McDonald's. You follow me, you'll see me go to Chick-fil-A pretty often. Amen. If you don't want to fast, and I'm not addressing anything out there, but I just marvel that people don't understand. Because these same people, then when their their child is in the hospital and sick and needs a miracle, they want God to show up. You see what I'm saying? And, And they don't want to go to church whenever everything's going well. But I'm telling you, if you can keep spiritual hunger and you're a part of a church that is fasting and praying, miracles happen when you walk through the door. Miracles happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be a part of a church that fasts and prays. Amen. Amen. David said this in Psalms 40 verse 2. Because what fasting and prayer will do, it will make you understand how wretched and deplorable that past life is. That's trying to pull you into carnality every single day. He said, he also brought me out of a horrible pit. Like not, man, I was having fun on the party scene, you know. Uh Uh-uh. I look back now. I thought I was having fun then, he said. But I look back and I realize it was a horrible pit. You know what God does when you're praying and fasting? He changes the way you feel about things that were destroying you. You begin to see what's actually going on. He brought me out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my, my steps. And I love how it reads in the Passion Translation, which is a poetic version of the Bible that I like to pray through each day. And in addition to my reading and the studying and the other versions of the Bible, I'll pray through this one. And this is what they, the, the, the translation says of Psalms 40 verses 2 through 3. Same verse, beginning. In the Passion Translation. 
He stooped down to lift me out of danger. From the desolate pit I was in. Out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place. And steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. A new song for a new day. Oh, anybody need a new song for a new day? Somebody tired of singing that old song? Somebody tired of singing the blues and pity me and, and I'm going through a rough place and, and my grandmother's favorite country and western song. And I really think this is why I stopped liking country and western years ago. And she was a wonderful child of God. But is anybody here old enough to remember this song? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Well, that's the last thing I want to talk about. All the trouble you've seen and you've seen and you've seen and you've seen. I got my own trouble and next thing you know, I, don't, I can't even hardly get out of bed. I stopped, I stopped liking country and western for that reason. Amen. But listen to this. God will give me a new song for a new day that rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. When you're fasting and praying, you're thinking about breakthroughs. You're thinking about miracles. You're thinking about God showing up. You're thinking about getting healed. You're thinking about God doing the impossible. Hallelujah. And then he said, ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. David knew, and I'm done, there was a connection between physical hunger and spiritual hunger. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 63. Listen, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips it leapt out at me here some time ago that in verses 1 and verse 5 you can see that David was connecting the physical hunger that he was experiencing in the wilderness and the thirst he connected that with a longing for God and he says that his flesh is thirsty and hungry and his physical being is longing for natural sustenance but then in verse 5 notice how he makes the connection he says that his soul that is his spirit man would be satisfied because of that hunger and thirst my flesh is thirsty and hungry Lord well what's going to reap the benefit of this is my soul 
He said, I'll be like as though I had been feasting on marrow and fatness. Now I want to say it again. If you haven't learned it, drugs will never satisfy your soul. Alcohol will not satisfy your soul. Affairs will not satisfy your soul. Money won't satisfy your soul. You say, how do you know that? Because there was a guy the Bible identified as a rich fool who said, I'm going to tear down my borns and build greater. And I'm going to store up all these goods. And I'm going to say, soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. For you've got goods laid up for many years. And Jesus said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. He tried to satisfy his soul with physical things. So the secret is, don't try to stuff a bunch of junk in there that can't help you. Fasting is about creating natural hunger so that you can develop spiritual hunger. Stand with me. Did I help anybody today? Give God some praise across the building. Give God some worship. Come on, give God some praise. Every year when we fast and pray, we have an outbreak of miracles that happen all over the church and among our families. Every head is bowed. I'm going to first ask you, is there anyone here who needs the Lord? Raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, I need God. Come on, raise it high, raise it high. Hands going up all over the building. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these precious people. And we surrender to you and for everyone that has drifted away or everyone who's never known you. God, today we pray, come sit on the throne, firmly ensconced, firmly seated forever on the throne of our lives and be our Lord, be our Savior. We receive you as our Savior, our Lord. If we've drifted, we're rededicated. We're asking this in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Oh, I feel such a tug of God here. Do you feel what I'm feeling? I feel God drawing this church. Give God some praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We welcome every person that prayed that prayer.